Minehead Baptist Church Sermon Podcast for Sunday the 21st of August 2022. Hello and welcome, thank you once again for joining me, my name's James and I'm the web guy here at NBC. This week Richard continuing our series at Seaside Rock with Peter's Greatest Treasure. The reading is 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 13 to 25. So we'll go and join Richard as he's introducing the service. Good morning and welcome to Minehead. Baptist Church this morning. It's lovely to be able to welcome you this morning to our service. Uh, my name is Richard and I'm one of the ministers here. And if you're a visitor, do come and say hello. And if you're not a visitor, you can also come and say hello if you'd like. <laughs> uh, just to say, uh, Paul is preaching at Holken in Taunton this morning, so we'll pray for him uh, in a moment. But if you don't see him, that's why he's not hiding. Uh, a few notices for you this morning. Uh, most of the notices are found on the notice sheet, uh, and if you'd like one, I'm sure there are some by the entrance. No, Chris has given me a blank look. Uh, if you'd like a notice sheet, come and ask, and we'll find you one. Uh, otherwise, please get in touch with the office, and we can email, uh, or we can add you to the email list. Uh, join us after the service from, I want to say, about quarter to one, one o'clock in Blenheim Gardens for a picnic. Doesn't look like it's going to rain. Um, be lovely to see you there. Uh, next week, uh, we next Sunday in Exford, uh, at 5.30 in the afternoon, we have uh, an event, Vine Song, who I know some of you have seen, um, who are, I don't know how to describe them, a, a worship group and a sort of outreach event um, on the Village Green, I think, Clarissa, isn't it? The yes. Village Green um, and it would be lovely, I know, if you invited people or people, or you went, I'm sure. Um, I see from the note, the sign outside, there was even a barbecue. There. Uh, so please do bear that in mind. And we're going to come, oh, one more notice. Two weeks today, we are having baptisms on the beach. Uh, that's, uh, there's some excitement there, I see, that's good. Uh, we'll have some flyers just to show you where they are next week, um, but just bear that in mind. So if you, when, we know. when we've worked out, yeah, when we've worked out where they're going to be, uh, we'll let you know. Uh, but we'll have, uh, if you'd like to invite people to come and witness, uh, that'd be lovely. Uh, but shall we pray as we come to worship? Father, we come this morning and point ourselves towards you. Father, we pray that not that whatever we have on our minds would be forgotten at the door, but that whatever we have, we bring to you this morning. Father, we pray that we would come and worship you, celebrate who you are, and glorify your name. And we pray for Paul this morning as he's off in Taunton. Father, might you be with him as we know you'll be with us here. In your wonderful son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Psalms are full of praise and worship, as I'm sure most of you will know. But it's amazing what happens when we come to God and focus on him and him alone first. And we give him praise and worship. I don't know about your prayer life. Uh, sometimes we can come marching into God's presence and the first thing we say to him is, Please, Lord, or can you, Lord? But when it comes to gathering together as God's people, 
That's not an appropriate thing to do. It's to start with thank you or praise you. Because as we worship and we magnify him, his presence is actually felt among us. And when we start to notice and feel his presence, Lord, our faith begins to rise and things begin to happen. I had a, a, a nephew once. He said, he rang up one day, he says, Uncle, he says, I'm almost terrified to go to church on a Sunday morning because I don't know what's going to happen. I just, you know, things happen each week and God sort of shows up in some special way. That can happen here. We can become to that point where we're actually terrified to go to minor baptisms on Sunday morning because God's going to manifest himself in some incredible, powerful way. I would love that to happen, you know. But, you know, it can start by giving him praise and worship. Psalm 113 says, Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the Lord's name be praised now and forever. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same you know the actions the Lord's name is to be praised okay someone has a story for us you thought you'd escaped him because he's in Taunton? <laughs> but we couldn't have that, could we? So here's someone who is, uh, well, I think he'll tell you himself what he's up to. Good morning, shipmates. How are you? Lovely to see you. Because you can tell it's probably a bit early in the morning. But I come down here with my metal detector. I'm, I'm looking for buried treasure. You know, one day I really hope to find pirate's treasure. But I've never seen a pirate up the high street in Minehead. Have you? Have you ever seen one walking up there? Maybe it's a long shot, but, but you never know. One of these days, I, I just might find treasure. <laughs> I wonder if, uh, well, would you like to see what we can find together? Yeah, let's do that. Because you know you found treasure. You know you found treasure when the metal detector beeps. We found some. Let's look at, let's look at what we found. Oh, it's only an old Coke can. I, I guess that's not really buried treasure, is it? Unless, of course, you're in need of a drink if you're thirsty, then I guess a drink is treasure indeed. But this is just an old Coke can that's been drunk out of and it's been buried. Don't forget, if ever you want a drink to dispose of your empties, your litter carefully. That reminds me of something that my friend Peter once said. He said something very strange once about Jesus. He said that Jesus had said that anyone that comes to him need never be thirsty. I wonder what that meant. On another occasion, Jesus says that he was the living water. Hold on, how does that work? What does that mean? 
Well, I asked Peter, and Peter explained to me that the living water that Jesus brings is his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit of Jesus lives in you and me, and Jesus is with us for all, always. It's as if it's water for our souls, living water. Anyway, you take care, you make sure that if you have any litter, you dispose of it properly. And I'm going to dispose of that later, but in the meantime, we're going to see what else we can find. Oh, let me straighten him out. Hold on, we found some more treasure. Whoa, I wonder what this can be. I wonder what this is. Oh, hold on. Wow. It's real treasure. Look at that. It's a silver spoon. I wonder how old it is. Now, looking at it, it doesn't look really old. And I don't think it's silver. Never mind. I, I, I suppose if we were hungry and we wanted something to eat our food with, it would be treasure then, wouldn't it? Jesus said something amazing to Peter. He said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me need never be hungry. I wonder what that meant. That's a really strange thing to say, isn't it? What does it mean to never go hungry and be with Jesus? How can that happen? Well, Peter told me that Jesus was referring, was saying that he's the bread of life. That with him in our hearts, that being with him, it kind of is food for our souls. Peter said and told me that actually Jesus left us very special spiritual food. It's a book called the Bible. And that that book, which tells us all about Jesus, when we read it, when we read of Jesus, is like food for our souls. I've got my can... And I've got my spoon. Shall we see what else we can find? Hold on. There's something there. Can you hear? Very faint. But there's something there. Shall we have a look? I wonder what it could be. Oh, wow. It's a real treasure box. <sighs> Look at it. It's got a catch and everything. What's in here? Oh, there is real unbelievable treasure in here. A piece of amazing jewellery. It's the best treasure of all. It's a Brighton and Hove Albion lapel badge. Can you see? It's all tangled up in something. There we go. It's a Brighton and Hove Albion lapel badge to wear with pride. <coughs> I wonder what else is in here. I wonder if that's the best treasure there is of all. Hmm. There's other things in here. I'm going to put that down there. But there are other things in here. They are really interesting. There's a little heart seems to me this treasure box contains the things that Jesus give us, gives us. He loves us. He gives us that love and he asks us to share it with each other. What else is there in here? Hmm. 
Wow. That's a piece of jewellery. A really good bit in here. I wonder if you can see it. I'm going to hold it as close as I can so that you can see. It's got on it, in case you can't see, it's a cross. And right in the middle of it is a little dove. A sign of peace. Jesus came to give us peace. And the cross is a reminder that he went to the cross and gave his all for us in order that we might have peace. There's a butterfly in here. I wonder what that can represent that Jesus gave us. Oh, I know. Grace. The butterfly reminds us that it was once a caterpillar and it's changed into a butterfly. Grace does that for you and me. The grace of Jesus changes us from what we are were into what we were always meant to be. Oh, there's one other little thing. An owl. Can you see the owl? There he is. An owl that stands for wisdom. Wow. The wisdom of the Lord. My friend Peter often told me that Jesus was the real treasure of his life. Whatever treasure we've dug up this this morning, in reality, Peter always knew Jesus was the treasure for him. Hey, all that talk about food and drink has made me feel hungry. That reminds me. There's a story that Peter told me about sharing breakfast on the beach with Jesus. Now that's... Oh, hold on a minute. That's another story for another day. Brilliant. Very good. You know, I was choosing songs for today and I couldn't I went through the whole of Songs of Fellowship because I've got the database on my computer at home there's only about five songs in, the, in the sort of 3,000 songs that use the word treasure and I spoke to the other members of the group and none of them knew any of them so which is why we don't, I really wanted to sing one or two songs about treasure but we couldn't find anything but we are going to sing a song now Jesus God's Righteousness Revealed you know that's what Paul's been saying it reminds me of that amazing story can you remember that story where that guy found some treasure in a field? And he went and sold everything he'd got so he could buy the field so he could have the treasure. What is that treasure? Well, Paul has been, has been helping us understand what that treasure really is. But in this song, it's God's righteousness revealed. Redemption sacrifice. Now glorified, now justified. And basically what the song is saying is that Jesus, who is our treasure has become our sacrifice so that we who are guilty, we who do things wrong in the eyes of God can know complete freedom. We can be justified just as if it hadn't happened. Justified. We can be stand before God knowing our sins are forgiven, knowing the grace of God, knowing the word of God in our hearts as we will sing in verse 2. It's interesting, when I was in India, I was one of the tallest. I've come to England and I'm one of the smallest. Sort of... Yeah, one of the 
privileges we have when we come together in church is to pray. Because we have a high priest, an intercessor, Jesus, who is before the throne of God, interceding on our behalf. And when our lives are hidden in him, you know, our prayers come to the Father through Jesus. Which means that our prayers are in God's ears. And Jesus is correcting those prayers if they get a little bit wrong because he intercedes on our behalf with, with words that we, we can't utter. But it means that our prayers are absolutely powerful. And I believe this is one of the most important parts of an act of worship because we can change things in these next five minutes in the whole world. Things can become different because we cry out to our Heavenly Father who hears and answers our prayers. Well, yesterday, well, Friday, quite a few of us were in the Dunster show. Went down there to have a look around the agricultural show in Dunster. And I got talking to some farmers. I was down there handing out Bibles and and some literature for um, the uh, charity Farming Christian Link. But I did get talking to one or two farmers who, who were talking about how difficult life is especially with the recent drought. So I felt it would be appropriate today to pray for the farming community and particularly for four charities that are involved in supporting farmers in this country and around the world. So the first one is the the Farming Community Network. It's a voluntary organisation and a charity that supports farmers and families within the farming community through difficult times. The volunteers who work for them travel around about 130,000 miles a year. And last year alone, 6,000 farmers were helped and supported through this charity. So let's pray for them. Father, we lift to you this morning this network of Christians who support our farming communities around England and Wales. We thank you for the 400 volunteers who give of their time and their expertise, their confidential listening ear, their pastoral and practical support to the farming community. Lord, whether those issues are personal or business related, we pray for wisdom to be upon these volunteers, your wisdom. We ask your blessing on the ministry they provide as they visit, as they listen, as they help, as they advise. Thank you, Lord, for the 20-hour-a-day helpline, national helpline, that is there for our farmers who often work long hours in isolation, dealing with unpredictable weather, and loneliness. Lord, we hear in the news that approximately one farmer a week in this country dies by suicide. So we lift to you the mental health of our farming community and for our local farmers, some of them we know. We ask for your comfort. 
be with them in their stress, anxiety, especially in recent weeks as they cope with the terrible droughts that we've had. Amen. So, Farming Christian Link was set up in 1934 as a sort of postal service to give out literature to those in the farming community, Christian literature. It is now um, uh, working in hundreds of villages and and farming communities around the country. But their main idea is is to give out Bibles and give out literature. And it's an evangelistic organisation that um, uh, comes alongside farmers with literature that's appropriate for, for them. So let's just pray for Farming Christian Link. Father, thank you for the stand of Farming Christian Link that was in the Dunster show this week. And we pray for the literature that they give out. Lord, that the literature will be well written and that will connect with our farming communities and bring your word to them in an effective way that speaks to their hearts. We pray for the volunteers and we thank you for the, those who come to know Jesus through the Farming Christian Link. Amen. Thirdly, we want to pray for Operation Agri. Who's put your hand up if you've heard of Operation Agri? Oh, quite a few of you. Okay, Operation Agri was, was a, is a charity that came out of what is known as a Baptist men's movement. I'm not even sure that's going any longer, but anyway. It was, a, it was an organization that was uh, originally um, set up to provide tools, livestock, and equipment to Baptist missionaries working abroad. Uh, so it, it was yeah, worked in partnership with BMS, and it still does to a large extent today. Um, so let's, let's pray for this charity because they do a tremendous work. They're working all over the world in, in, in uh, Uganda, Tanzania, Nepal, Mozambique, Nicaragua, Bangladesh, India, Malawi, Sri Lanka, um, and they make grants available and call on local expertise, but they do a tremendous work in supporting agricultural projects around the world. Let's pray for them. Father, thank you for this charity, this Baptist-based charity that supports Christian-led rural and urban projects. Thank you, Lord, that they are working among some of the most disadvantaged people in the world, regardless of their religion or ethnic or cultural backgrounds. We pray for the health clinics that they run, for the women's empowerment groups that they run in urban slums. We pray, Lord, for the training that they provide. We thank you, Lord, for the clean water supplies that they have uh, engineered and designed that pipes water to the homes of some of the world's poorest people. We thank you for this organization. Thank you for the thousands of projects that they have <coughs> developed and overseen over the years. We just ask your blessing on them. And as climate changes, we recognize that organizations such as Operation Agri are beginning to become more important. So, Lord, we ask for wisdom, strength, and guidance. You enable them to be effective in working in farming communities around the world. Amen. 
And finally, I thought I'd just pray for uh, Arusha. I know one or two of you have been interested in Arusha, which is a, an environmental and ec- ecological Christian organisation. So uh, they do a lot of work in education. They've got, they've got a centre in Oxford that looks at, um, uh, do, do, runs courses on uh, a, a Christian perspective of ecology and climate change. So I thought I'd just finally just quickly pray for Arusha. Lord, we want to thank you for this amazing organisation that has grown so much over the years. Thank you for the residential field study centres looking at issues that threaten ecosystems. Thank you, Lord, for the marine programme that they are running and the study that they and research that they, that they undertake and the projects to take plastic out of the oceans. Thank you, Lord, for the work they do amongst Indian elephants and the work they are doing to try and stop deforestation and bring an end to poaching of Indian elephants. Thank you, Lord, for the the study centre in Oxford that teaches and educates people about environmental issues from a biblical perspective. Thank you for the many churches around this country that have their own gardens linked to our Russia to model how we can produce things in a sustainable way and encourage wildlife, flowers and fauna and so on. So Lord, we just give this, this group to you. Ask that they will go from strength to strength. And Lord, we are reminded in Genesis chapter 1 that we are commanded to look after, to guard and protect your creation. Lord, this is the first command that you ever gave. And Lord, we are sorry for when we have not obeyed that command. In fact, we've sometimes done the very opposite. We've destroyed your creation in the way we live. Lord, forgive us and help us, Lord, to come alongside and support these four charities mentioned this morning, that we will be people who obey Genesis chapter 1 and actually become stewards and guardians of your creation in everything we do and the things we purchase and the way that we live our lives. We ask these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, the Bible reading for today is 1 Peter 1, starting at verse 13. Uh, It's called Be Holy. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, 
but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Thank you, Carol. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it speaks to us today. Father, we pray now that the words that I speak would be your words. Father, that the words are not of you would leave me and not be spoken. Amen. Got a question for you as we begin this morning. What do you hope for? My hope might be that my rugby team uh, wins more than four matches this soon-to-resume season. Questionable, that one. Might be that my rowing team wins some races. More realistic, we won one yesterday. That's just to say I won a rowing race. No, no, no real theological point there. Might be, Paul's might be that uh, Brighton and Hove Albion win the Premiership. Might be a long way away from that one. Or we might get more serious, mightn't we? We might hope for health or wealth. Or that our families are well brought up, that our children do well. The list could go on and on, couldn't it? Yet they all have one thing in common. They're always speculative, aren't they? It's always a hope of, oh, hopefully, maybe. Maybe they'll happen. Yet Peter here is going out of his way to tell us something really, really important. Before he gives us any other instructions at all, he wants to make sure that we see the importance and the crucial nature of Christ. And it's this. For in him we have a hope. The hope to define all hopes. Don't we? But it's not a promise that we have to hope comes true or just think maybe, maybe it will come. It's a promise that we know will happen. It's not something, a hope that we have to cultivate work by work. My rugby team can train harder, try harder. We can cultivate our skills and abilities, whatever they may be. But the hope of Jesus is a reality. Something we can see and experience and know for certain that he has truly come to save us. That's the hope that Peter is talking about here. We have a hope. A hope that goes beyond everything else. And Peter is calling us to live in it. Live out that hope. The hope. On the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ 
is revealed it is coming. It's something we know will happen. We know Christ will return. And that hope is crucial. We're not called to put it aside and just bring it out for special occasions. It's a hope that should take up our whole lives. Should define our lives. Should define who it is and what we stand for. It's a hope that should be at the centre of all we do. Because Peter seems to be saying, if we, if we experience the love of Jesus, then how can we do anything else? It just seems inconceivable that when we've known that, we would do anything else. But the grace of Christ defines our lives. So it must then also direct it, mustn't it? And point us in the right direction. To know the love of Christ is to know God, to know security. Know what it means to be loved unconditionally. And out of this, Peter has an instruction for us. He reminds us that God, who has called us to follow him, is holy. So then we should also be holy in all that we do. This is, as the title of this passage suggests, the central point of this passage. It's written for, he writes, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. As I was doing my crucial pre-sermon preparation this morning, otherwise known as flicking through Twitter... There was other preparation I'd like to add before you write complaints, emails to Paul. I came across this quote, so it was educational. But you were not called because you were holy. You are holy because you are called. Doesn't that sum it up? God doesn't call those who are already holy because we can't be. It's because we follow him that we can become holy. In verse 14, we're called obedient children. This has with it the suggestion that we are to follow lots of different rules and agendas and laws set down. Yet rather misses the point. The word obedience comes originally from the idea to listen. If we're going to be really old-fashioned, to hearken. I'm sure we can find some of that in the Bible somewhere. In some translations of the Bible. To hearken to the gospel. To listen to the gospel. We are obedient to God because we have a listen to the gospel. We've let it take hold in our lives. Because we've listened. Because it's affected us. Because it's changed us. We can only do one thing. Submit to God. Can't we? If someone says to you that they've listened to the gospel and it's not changed their life, I don't think they've truly listened, have they? There's a call to be holy. And this is a challenge. Make no mistake. I'd be lying to you if I said it wasn't. One in which Peter doesn't expect us to have an easy task. 
nor should we expect to find it easy. This passage starts with a command to have minds that are alert and fully sober. The Greek translation might be to gird up the loins of your mind. I don't know if you've ever thought about what girding your loins means, but it was what you did before battle. You got your robe and your long flowing clothes and stuck it through your belt so you could run. It's a preparation for battle, a preparation for action. Because we have a battle to be holy. It's not something that will just happen to us. And Peter reminds us that we will face judgment before God. I think we can forget that sometimes, can't we? Or maybe it's just me. But sometimes it feels that even as we have a respect for that, we have a respect for God, a reverent fear, as Peter describes it here. Yet that isn't the end of it, is it? It's not where it stops, thankfully, for us. Peter is at pains to remind us that we have been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. The blood of the Lamb spilt, poured out for us. There's a good news for this Sunday morning. Yes, we're going to face judgment before God. But those of us who love and follow Christ have our punishment, our sentence removed. And even as we have a reverent fear of God, we have to remember that he is our father in heaven. He is our creator. The one who loves us more than we can ever know. And he's given us a way to be saved. He's given us a way for us to be reconciled to him. Brought into embrace with him. To spend eternity with him. never be in any doubt. God isn't sullied by association with us. He is completely and utterly holy. And so too is his son, Jesus. You can't help but think, surely as Paul, uh, Peter was writing this letter, he must have been thinking back to his own experiences with Jesus. The one who Jesus called the rock. In Luke chapter 5, verse 8, we have a moment where Peter recognises Jesus for who he truly is. When the fish have come in and overflowed the nets, Peter gets on his knees before Jesus proclaims to him, Get away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Surely in that moment, Peter saw Jesus for who he truly is. God in human form. He saw the glory of God, the glory of Jesus. The holiness of Jesus was too much almost for him to bear. He felt unworthy to be in his presence. I cannot be alone in this room in having at times felt that that same inadequacy. To wonder what on earth I've done 
to deserve to meet Jesus and to be loved by God and saved and know that I have eternity with my Father in heaven. Sometimes it just boggles the mind, doesn't it? That God loves us that much. One answer may well be that I basically did nothing. It was all the work of Jesus when he chose to die for you and me on the cross. And I had to do one little thing. I had to listen to him. Hearken to him. Be obedient to the call he puts into my life. Seems quite easy, doesn't it? Seems quite straightforward. And yet there is the challenge. Jesus has turned you and I through our decision to follow him from playing old citizens of earth to something much grander, to the citizens of heaven called to be set apart from the world. And yet following this call comes with responsibilities, comes with duties, In verse 18, we read that Peter is reminding us that Jesus has brought a message that breaks us free from the way of life that's been passed down for generations. Passed down from the inadequate way of life that has come before. Different from the world's view of what life should be. It's a call to put Jesus and God first. Jesus and God are the true way. The way beyond all other ways. The way that leads to eternal life. As we met and prayed before the service with the worship group, Dennis shared a verse from John 4.16, which I'm sure will be familiar to many of you. No one comes to the Father except through me. We see the truth of that here, don't we? That the only way we know, can ever know God, ever come to be reconciled to him is through Christ. Through the love he had for us. And as repayment for that, as love we have for God, surely we know that God needs to be at the centre of our lives, doesn't he? Seems inconceivable that if we'd been listened to the gospel, that we wouldn't want to put him there. To be that greatest treasure we have, will ever have. The greatest treasure in the whole of creation. Because we're reminded that whatever is made by man will one day wither and die. One day this building won't be here. We'll let the greatest monuments in the world will be gone. All our achievements will be for nothing. We read at the end of this passage, and from verse 24, a quotation from Isaiah. All people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. We can see even now that the grass of the field withers, can't we? We only have to look outside. 
Everything made by man is temporary. The idols we give ourselves, the things we place before God, will not last. They'll disappear. They'll come to nothing. But one thing we do know is that God is our greatest treasure. The idols might be nothing but empty illusion. We might feel we've achieved things. But if we don't put God at the centre of our lives, all is for nothing. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your son Jesus. We thank you for the love he showed to us. And Father, we pray that we would prepare ourselves for the battle of following you. Father, we pray that we would know that you are holy. Father, we pray that we would live out that holiness, that call to serve you. Father, we pray that as we read here, we would love our brothers and sisters. Father, that in all things we would serve you. That we would put you first in all things. We pray through your son Jesus that we would be able to do so. Amen. This morning on the way in, you were hopefully given a silver or gold disc, or gold, there are no silver ones, but which you can use to respond if you'd like. There are some more by the entrance if you didn't get one. But Peter's response to Jesus was absolute. Whether following Jesus and becoming a fisher of men, acknowledging that Jesus was the rock on which he would build his life, whether Jesus was calming the storms of life or whether Peter was walking on water towards his saviour. Peter gave of himself to follow his saviour. His commitment to Jesus was wholehearted. Jesus called him, calls us, to give all of ourselves to him. He held nothing back. But if we're honest with ourselves, how often do we only give to Jesus what we believe we can spare, rather than giving him our all? Peter gave everything he held dear to Jesus. And this morning we want to recognise that we so often hold back something, sometimes everything from our Lord and Creator. We hold back what we believe is most dear, telling ourselves that we need to do this. And often the things that we believe are most precious are those things that we put before the Lord and he demands that he is first in our lives. Peter says that we have a new birth and a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And cause you and I to set our hope on the grace of Jesus. We acknowledge that in our own lives we can take our eyes from Jesus. This morning we once again acknowledge Jesus as the treasure in our lives. 
once again commit ourselves to keeping our eyes firmly fixed on him. If this morning you want to give yourself to the Lord, give everything to him. Commit yourself once again to the Lord absolutely. Acknowledge that Jesus is your real living hope. And simply write your name on the disc. We'll place it in our treasure chest as a sign that Jesus is your treasure. But some of us this morning need to give something up for the Lord. Something which stands between you and him. And if that is how the Lord is asking you to respond this morning, then just write whatever the Lord is calling you to give up on the disc. We'll also place this in the chest. Don't feel you have to do both. One or the other, or if you'd like, both. But this morning, how you respond is between you and your Lord. I pray that you would respond to where the Lord is calling you this morning. There are some pens here, if you'd like them, I'll come and bring bring them out. In this moment, let's simply respond to the call of God in our lives. Whether for the first time, or the hundredth, or the thousandth. So as we respond to that challenge from Richard, we're going to sing quietly as the deer pants for the water. Some space and opportunity for you to write down your little discs come forward and place it in the treasure chests.
We want to echo those words. You alone, Lord, are our heart's desire. You alone are worthy of our praise and our love. We fall down before you, Lord. Declare that you are the Lord of lords and the King of kings. Majesty, creator of heaven and earth. We're going to give in another way as well now as we take up our offering. If you're a visitor, please don't feel the need to give. This is an act of love we give for the work of this church. Amen, amen. Please be seated. Thank you for your response this morning. And as you can see, the gold coins are now in our treasure chest. And that's a transaction between you and the Lord this morning, what you have given him of yourself. But the children, they've been giving a lot of themselves. So if you were out with me today, can you stand up? And can you show everyone your beautiful treasure boxes? Turn round and show. Look at those. I tell you, there is some bling on those. (laughs) And if they want to come and show you what's inside, 
later on. Please have a look because they've got the treasures that Paul had in his box inside. The real treasure is Jesus and all the things that he gives us. But not to be outdone, our children, you've had gold coins here. Children, we've got gold coins with chocolate in them. All right. So on your way out, you can have those. But I think they need a round of applause because they did very well this morning. Well done, children. Britain. So we're coming to an end of our service this morning. Uh, Thank you for coming and joining us as we worship our living God. Reminder, join us in the Blenheim Garden in an hour and a half or so, and we'd love to see you for a picnic. Doesn't look too rainy outside yet. And we'll finish with some words from the end of Jude, which seem appropriate after what we've been talking about today. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Saviour, be glory majesty, power, and authority. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, for all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. And we're going to sing with, uh, finish with one final song as we worship our Lord. This song does at least mention the word treasure in verse 4. Riches I need not, nor man's empty praise. Be thou my inheritance now and always. Be thou and thou only the first in my heart, O sovereign heaven, my treasure thou art. To leave a comment, please go to myinhead-baptist.com slash sermons. Well, thank you once again for listening, and I'll speak to you soon.